Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the PTBC podcast. This is Sush here, and today we have a very special guest from beautiful Nanaimo, BC. I'm excited to introduce you, uh, Natasha Wilch, the owner of Symphony Rehab, which is a, a very nice multi, multidisciplinary clinic providing services both in person and virtually. And um, they've actually been doing this for a while now. And um, Natasha had started um, her company as a sole practitioner. Uh, providing mobile services um, to the community and um, now she's kind of built this into this uh, this awesome brick and mortar business with uh, 13 team members so what's really interesting actually about Natasha's journey is that she's been using telerehab since uh, 2017 so you know while back well before this pandemic hit and um, she's been uh, using her expertise to really help her patients and lead her team uh, throughout this pandemic as well and um, today we wanted to uh, dive a little bit into this experience and how she's been able to really nail down a solid hybrid model that uses both in-person and virtual uh, services to help her patients in Nanaimo and the neighboring cities. So as the pandemic kind of continues to affect uh, all of us in all the industries, it's really important for us to understand how we can best prepare for the future. And so we're very excited to have Natasha share her expertise and uh, let us know how she's been able to do this so successfully. So without further ado, let's get down to business. Natasha, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Before we jump into our main topic of discussion here, uh, do you mind just giving us a brief overview of uh, what your journey has been like up until this point. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and telehealth in general is something I'm always really excited to talk about. Um, So my journey started actually in public practice. So I graduated from UBC in 2011. um, And when I graduated, I started at Surrey Memorial Hospital and so did the, the realm through the hospital, emergency, orthopedics, neuro, all that fun stuff. Um, I also started uh, doing private practice neuro at the time with NeuroAbility in Vancouver. And then uh, we got transferred, my husband and I got transferred over to Vancouver Island in Nanaimo. And I was on maternity leave at the time, so I was lucky in the, in the sense that I didn't have to find a job right away. And I started looking around to kind of see what was there. And being that I would treat the neurological population in particular, there wasn't a lot of options where in Nanaimo for that. And so that's what led to me starting my mobile business, um, of which was just me in 2015. And I just drove to people's houses, <laughs> gave them their therapy in their home. Nice. Yeah, door to door. Showed up with my like hockey bag full of gear and my <laughs> stool and would ring their yeah. doorbell. Yeah, my <laughs> massage table. I had yeah. it all. Um, but then not too long after I started, about 10 months after I started, I was approached to open a brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. And I said no. Um, I was terrified. The thought of doing it scared the bejesus out of me. With my mobile business, such minimal risk, right? I had my car insurance, liability yeah. <laughs> insurance, and that was it. Um, so I actually said no to the space before I even looked at it. Like mm-hmm. fear kicked in and I was like, nope. Um, and then literally probably about a week later, my wheels started turning in my brain a little bit. And I was like, oh crap. maybe I shouldn't have said no right away. So I Mm -hmm. sucked it up. I called them back and I said, so I may have jumped the gum on my response. Is this negotiate or is this conversation still available to happen? And it was, which was great. 
so they showed me the space and um, it's funny because what they showed me, I went from being paralyzed to doing anything to them showing me what they thought about me looking at and me saying, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I need to go bigger than what you're showing me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then they showed me a second space. So I moved into this little beautiful 800 square foot space. When I saw it, it was dirt, concrete, exposed wiring, garbage, um, but I could instantly start to visualize it come together. So I moved into there and opened those doors. It's just me again at the time um, in April, 2016. Uh, and then slowly started adding to the team with the practitioners that supported my vision and what I wanted to do. Um, And then in 2017 is when I started doing telehealth. Mm -hmm. And the reason that actually started um, wasn't obviously because of a pandemic. Um, I was the physiotherapist for an online health and wellness community called Healthy Role Models. Mm -hmm. And I saw, we had women from all over the world in our group, but we also had women from like remote, like Haida Gwaii, in BC, we had women from the Northwest Territories, where technically as a BC physio, I could help them. Um, But because of geography, I couldn't and I didn't like the way that sat. Because these women were in pain and not getting the feedback and the guidance they needed, simply because of where they lived. Mm -hmm. And that was not okay for me. Um, So that kind of started sparking the wheels a little bit. And then the other piece of that is because we're we're neurological, so we have this kind of sub niche, right? So we're neurological and we treat a ton of concussion. That's my biggie. Um, I get people that travel from up and down island and from the mainland over to see me for treatment. And people were traveling every week. And the same thing, it was like, I don't, this doesn't serve them. Like to come in physically every week, they don't need to when we could potentially do stuff in their home and save them the trip. So there were these situations happening that I was just like, there needs to be something better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what actually started me kind of digging into telehealth and digging into what it is. I spent hours <laughs> on the phone with colleges, with associates, because there was no guidelines. There was nothing mm-hmm. written to guide anybody when I started doing this. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, I phoned one particular college, which I will not name, <laughs> um, <laughs> because someone in that province had reached out to me about getting services. Um, mm-hmm. And my big thing is if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Mm -hmm. I don't want to piss anyone off. I want to dot all my I's and cross all my T's. Um, And this college, I had called them and they said, they responded to me with, Natasha, I don't understand how you could possibly have our people's interest at best heart and how you could help them better than someone that is a therapist here could help them. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away. I was like this, you completely missed the point of why I was trying to do this service. Mm -hmm. So that whole piece is kind of what started telehealth. It was lots of phone calls, lots of research, lots of asking questions. And the answer I usually got, to be honest, was Natasha, no one's asked this before, we don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll have to get back to you. We'll have to talk to our legal department. Um, But I did it. So I, anyways, figured all that stuff out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Launched telehealth in 2017. And then what was super fun is that was the year, so I won Canada's Entrepreneur of the Year that year. Nice. Um, basically because I was one of the first clinics to kind of launch telehealth in Canada and really try to like push it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to be a keynote speaker on Parliament Hill, which was super fun. Nice. Um, we outgrew our current clinic space. We moved to a bigger clinic space, continued to add to the team. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really huge on multidisciplinary care. Um, I believe that when someone has a team working together and you have like anything you have that ability to communicate your clients goals and, and progress is exponentially faster than if you're all scattered and all over the place 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so then just continue to kind of grow and build most of the telehealth, telehealth ebbed and flowed. So there would be periods where it was really great. And I looked at bringing on another therapist to join us. So there's three of us doing telehealth. And then literally I'd bring that therapist on and then it would just tank and we'd have nothing for a while. Mm-hmm. And then it would rise back up and then it would tank. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it was literally this like roller coaster. <clears throat> um, but we ended up doing, and so then I ended up practicing more of the hybrid model um, where I am. And so that kind of, we've trialed and erred. We've tried a zillion different platforms. <laughs> we mm-hmm. have tried different payment things. Oh gosh, it's been, it's been an adventure. Um, <laughs> and then we have, we're kind of in our groove and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky in the sense that because we were already set up, because I had already been doing, not all of my team members had been doing telehealth. A couple of us had, but because I'd already been doing it, the platform was set, the website was set we could just literally like we closed one day and by the next day we were doing telehealth. Mm -hmm. So we could just kind of ebb into stuff. And um, I realized as well when COVID hit that I had a skill set that could help other practitioners. Mm -hmm. And so then that's when I created a course to basically all that stuff that I dealt with in the beginning, Mm -hmm. they no other clinic owner needs to go through that. I've done it for you. (laughs) So that's, I created this course to help clinicians. And now we, I've actually just like relaunched and rebuilt my entire website, really pushing even more than I did before the hybrid model of care um, going forward. So because of kind of the innovation that I've had with telehealth, the innovation with, with the stuff that I do with concussion as well, I've been blessed to, to win some other awards and to have a really awesome team and a team that believes in the vision that I have for symphony and, and physical therapy in general. And, um, you know, I'm a mom, I have three kids married, <laughs> <laughs> all that fun stuff. So I have another business with a uh, with Molly Parker called Concussion Compass. I have a lot of stuff on the go. It's been a it's a whirlwind journey, but I love every second of it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That it's it's really great to hear that um, you know you're one of the people helping pioneer this this path for telerehab at least across um, across Canada. And I'm sure, you know, your conversations with the colleges helped probably spark some of those conversations among themselves to create those guidelines. And definitely, I got to say, like when we, you know, came onto the tele-rehab boat uh, from, from our perspective in our clinic, it was, uh, I would say, a lot easier than we described because there's definitely a lot more guidelines and things set in that from before mm-hmm. that we popped up. Uh, I, know, I know Alberta now has a really nice um, big document on the guidelines as yeah, well. And yeah, so we I kind of went through that, you know, just line by line about everything mm-hmm. they needed in the Tellerhead platform. So it was really helpful. But, um, you know, what's, what's really interesting is in this current situation, I think in which you talked about this Tellerhead model, kind of having this ebb and flow kind of going mm-hmm. across. Now, why do you think that this ebb and flow was happening? Do you know like what was this, those factors that resulted in those ebbs and flows? And is there something that we can do now to try to prevent that ebb and so we're a little bit more in control of it just going into like a very smooth yeah. trend? A big factor of it back then was that it was all, all private pay. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. there, was, there was only one insurance company that would cover telehealth then. <clears throat> and that's actually been within the last year. So if someone did telehealth, it was out of pocket. And so the other piece of it is there was no, there was no stimulus for change for a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. There was no, they could get in and go see their physio. So why would they try something different? They knew what worked and you were creatures, humans are creatures of habit, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the, if you know what works and you're used and comfortable with something, why create a change if you don't have to? 
Mm-hmm. And so before when I was trying to launch telehealth, it was, you know, there was no driving force to necessarily try something different. The clients that tried it were the clients that had a stimulus of change within their own environment. Mm-hmm. So they were the new moms who like the thought of packing up their infant child and three kids to come to physio was just too much. They mm-hmm. were the busy, like the super busy business person who had literally had 45 minutes and to be able to drive to physio and drive back was not possible, but they could log in for a telehealth. And because they finally had something that was affecting their, their, their life. So they had mm-hmm. to do something different, right? Um, it was the people who lived in Haida Gwaii in the Northwest Territories who, again, there was an incident or there was something that was affecting them that was impacting their way of doing things that they needed to try something different. So mm-hmm. for the people that did it before, there was an internal stimulus within their own environment, whether it be in their own body or their own world, that opened them up to try something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the ebb and flow, you know, for us, it was, you know, I don't, I don't really know, besides like the private pay piece and the insurance piece, mm-hmm. um, sometimes what happened too is we would always say to people, you know, you have to, because we can't guarantee that insurance will pay this, we don't direct bill for telehealth. We do now, obviously, but we yeah. didn't then. So take this receipt, submit it, see what happens. We make no guarantees. So then what was happening is people were submitting it and um, some insurance companies were covering it. So then it would, they would continue to do therapy, but it was that continued, with the continued exposure, the continued getting in front of people, the continued support from the health professionals. And the big issue back then too was that there was no universal understanding of what telehealth actually was. Mm-hmm. Like I would ask, or I would say to my, like my colleagues and other physios, we do telehealth. And the response I'd get was, well, what do you mean? Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I think back then, I say back then, like it was so long ago, but it kind of feels like <laughs> um, back then there was no universal understanding of what telehealth was. There was less need for change. People were in their routines. Whereas today, we now have this global understanding of what telehealth is. We mm-hmm. have the stimulus for change has happened and exposed people to something new where they will now be more open to continuing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in itself is going to make, and there's multiple people doing it. I mean, when I did it, you could probably count on one hand the number of people who were doing it. There was a study done in BC, 12% of physios across the country were using telehealth. Mm-hmm and mostly BC, Ontario, and Quebec. Um, Whereas you look at now, I would would love them to do another survey so we could actually get a number of how many physiotherapists are now doing telehealth. So just the change in that too is gonna help with not seeing this big, there's gonna be ebbs and flows still, for sure. How you model your clinic going forward is gonna help affect that. Um, But it's definitely gonna be easier now than it was then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and you said something really interesting there. You, you mentioned that, you know, when you were doing the tunnel rehab, that um, that this conversation is, I just want to get an understanding of really before the pandemic, how you Mm -hmm. were kind of managing this is um, you were, a lot of the patients were private cash-based patients basically. Mm -hmm. And so what, how did you get somebody to buy into that other than obviously, let's say if somebody had the option of doing in person and another rehab, but, you know, what was the strategies there that you found work best and whichever you can share with us Mm -hmm. about um, just letting them know how this can help them, especially if they're paying full cash base and out of pocket there. Yeah. The hybrid model was the easiest to sell for 
anyone, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, unless you lived in a remote area. Um, okay. Because, and the way I would preface it always was, how is this, how is telehealth going to enhance their care? Not how is it just going to make it status quo, but how is involving telehealth going to make it better? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a lot of the clients, especially those that were traveling two hours to come see me or having to take a ferry to come see me that were so flared up in symptoms by the time they got to my clinic. Um, and then we did treatment and then they had to drive two hours back or take another ferry back. It was really easy to show to them. Here's how I want to do it. Here's, here's what I want to do in person. Here's why this is going to add, but here's why we could do these next two sessions with telehealth because mm-hmm. we're guiding you through. I have a solid baseline. I can progress you this way. It saves you the time. It saves you the cost. It saves you the symptom flare. And mm-hmm. so for those clients that had a travel component to them, it was really easy for them to see the benefit, which is why we were doing more a hybrid previously as well. Right. Okay. And so, you know, when these individuals would, would come in, um, would you also change your pricing structure for that? Or do you kept it kind of exactly the same? Kept it the same. Okay. Yeah. And so there was think, no resistance, eh? No. And I think what's really important is, I mean, then too, and now too, it's, as a physiotherapist, we get so trapped in these, in these stories we tell ourselves that the value we give our clients is everything that our hands have. Mm-hmm. And you as a physio or as any profession that listens to this have so much more value than just your hands, right? Like the amount of knowledge you've invested in, the amount of education you have, the amount of, of skill and the way you can guide someone with your voice is powerful. And I think that sometimes we get so used to, you know, putting on heat and then doing some manual and then giving some exercises and send someone out there that you forget that. And then what happens is because this becomes kind of the realm of what, if if you ask anyone that doesn't, isn't a physiotherapist, you know, what is physio? People think of heat and hot packs and tens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that's really unfortunate. Um, And so what telehealth I think has also done for practitioners, which has been amazing to watch um, for me, especially the ones that I've seen go through my course, is the co- the confidence, but the realization of how much they have to offer their clients. They've had so much fun being able to do something a little bit different and still see change. And the active empowerment and engagement from their clients has been phenomenal. It's not for everybody, mm-hmm. but um, it. I forget, I forget your question. I went on a tangent, um, <laughs> but, but it's been really it's been really great. And so oh, cost. Um, yeah. and, so, and so because you're giving, still giving so much value, they're still getting awesome stuff out of it. They're still making progress. Why would you devalue yourself by lowering your cost? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, no, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. I think, um, you know, as we, that's why, you know, this was going to be kind of going into my next question here about mm-hmm. just doing this across a relaunch. Cause I know, um, now provinces are you know going into their first stage, second stage, third stage of uh, relaunch yeah. back into the quote unquote normal um, or new normal, and um, I think there's been a lot of talks is about how to keep tele rehab a viable option in addition to their in person care that they're doing now. So, how do you think that you know a clinic or a clinician could be successful to move into this hybrid model without letting the tele rehab fully die and to also help prepare them for a possible second wave even. Yeah, um, I think a hybrid model is incredibly important right now. Um, mm-hmm. and, I don't, and I don't mean to say that it has to be a 50-50, I don't mean to, like you get to choose, but I think it's incredibly important because 
if you listen to any of the health professionals in our country too, they're talking about a second wave in the fall. Mm -hmm. And so there is quite possibly the circumstance where you're, we're going to have to scale back even more again, or potentially close our doors again, hopefully not for two months or two and a half months, Mm -hmm. like it was this time, but there is that, that it's a very real possibility. And so I think that any clinic that is open to embracing a hybrid model is going to successfully continue going forward. I mean, I think of of Symphony in the month of April when, so in the month of March, people thought you were going to be back in April. So clients were happy to take a bit of a rehab break, right? Mm -hmm. In the month of May, people knew we were going to be opening again in the next couple of weeks. The month of April, no one knew what the heck was happening. And so for the entire month of April, my clinic only lost 25% of its revenue. Mm-hmm. We were doing entirely telehealth. That's awesome. And so what I want clinics to recognize is that that's because we were already doing it. And so we could literally roll people the day we closed our doors. Within two days, we were doing telehealth appointments. We could roll our clients through into a telehealth model because some of them already experienced it. Some of them, it was very new, very new. But because I knew what it was and it could guide my team and support my team, there was a script. We knew how to talk to our clients. We knew how to roll them in. Mm-hmm. So maintaining a hybrid model now, in my opinion, is so important because if we do get scaled back or if we do get pulled back, if you've already spent these few months introducing clients to, and we can talk about how I think you should do that, but introducing clients to a hybrid model, A, if you've already done it, you're already set up. So you don't have to worry about platforms, consents, or any of that stuff anymore. That when you close your doors, or if we have to close our doors, you can instantly call that client and be like, hey, Jane, you know what? We have to scale back because of whatever has happened, but we're just going to do a telehealth session next time. How does that sound? It'll be just like Mm -hmm. we did before, blah, 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 blah. And so it gives your clinic that potential to have a minimal resource resource, revenue loss. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that's incredibly important, let alone that. And um, and I think what people have seen in this time, telehealth was a survival technique for a lot of clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be so much more than that, right? You think as a therapist, mm-hmm. like my dream, one of my dreams is to be able to take my son to a new country. I, I've never traveled ever. <laughs> I really want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love to be able to take my family to a different country every summer for like a month. Mm-hmm. I could still work. I could still support my clients. I could say two days a week while we're away or whatever it is, I'm going to work because I can, because I can support my clients with telehealth in that time frame. Mm -hmm. Right. It allows for that continuity of care to still be there in some really unique ways down the road. I agree. So what do you think would be the best messaging for somebody who, you know, for a clinic that let's say is serving their immediate community. So within that community, how to get them to understand this hybrid model and to buy into doing like one session in person, one session uh, so virtually. Right now, it's, right now it's still really easy because mm-hmm. the recommendations across the country are still social distancing. Mm-hmm. So what we do and what I would highly recommend doing is every single first assessment starts as a telehealth assessment mm-hmm. and your reason to the client, we've, we've yet to have a client say no mm-hmm. to starting with telehealth. We always do. So the way we book an assessment is, we do a telehealth and then we book an in-person. Okay. And the reason we do that is because at minimum, at minimum, you can get a history via telehealth. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly encourage people to book an hour because you want to get the history, but then you also want to get a bit of that objective. Because mm-hmm. if all you do in that initial assessment is take the history, you're already telling your client that you can't get information that's as good as them coming into the clinic. So you're just going to wait to do all the physical assessment when they're in front of you. 
Mm -hmm. You're doing yourself a disservice in the buy-in of the hybrid model if all you do is that history in that first appointment. Mm -hmm. And then the reason, but that your reasoning is really easy right now because you can say to your clients, we are respecting social distancing um, and therefore we want to minimize your risk. So for this first assessment where we take a, a history and a, and a subjective history and we begin your assessment, we're going to do via telehealth because we don't need to have you in front of us to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Depending on like my clinic has, we have less practitioners. We're allowed, we have to have less practitioners in the clinic of the day. So I have clinics, clinicians who are legit just telehealth days from home and then clinic days. Um, it all depends on your client setup. But right now is still really easy to get that to utilize. And you're looking for client, you're looking after client care, but just the guidelines that have been instilled in us that we have to honor and respect as therapists make it really easy for you to start it that way. Um, and then you say to them, because some of them are definitely hesitant, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but you say, you know, we book the first one telehealth, we book our second one in person. And then what you do is you, so you do that first telehealth session, you begin that objective assessment. You need to begin that objective assessment via telehealth. When they come in, you continue with your objective assessment. But what you also do is you reconfirm verbally as you're doing it, what you found in that telehealth session. Mm -hmm. because then you're instilling that confidence in that and then from that point after that you sit down with your client and you decide is it going to be what is your balance is it someone so I have clients who they come in once a month and, and then the rest of it's telehealth is it going to be someone that's 50 50 is it going to be someone that is really not for it so you're going to prepare for a longer onboarding process and by onboarding I mean those people who are not so hesitant that it's going to take a bit more to get them to do telehealth. You have an onboarding sequence that you do with them. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be a longer onboarding process for some of those people. And you're going to have a lower goal. But for my client clinicians, it's, you know, at least one telehealth appointment within every four to six weeks. Ideally more than that. But for the ones that are like, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. do it that way. and then there's going to be clients that are just not appropriate and that's okay. Fair enough. But, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely an interesting approach. And I think I have actually seen uh, some people try that approach and it seems like to be <clears throat> working pretty well for them. Um, now, what about the platform itself? Like, what do you think, how, how should the clinics or clinicians be choosing their, their platform? Because obviously, you know, let's say we do all this work to get the person to understand what Telegram is. Now the next step is to actually have that you know, platform ready. And I know, you know, people were using different platforms throughout this, yep. um, this first wave, um, but there's definitely an opportunity to trial some other platforms now. Um, what did you do specifically to choose one for yourself and for your entire clinic? Yeah. So I've used three or four different platforms in my telehealth. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I've switched from them for various different reasons. So mm -hmm. um, we actually dig into this a lot into my course and choosing your platform, but um, you're going to have different needs for what you want to do. So as a clinician, first of all, you need to decide what do you need your platform to do for you? So mm -hmm. do you need your platform integrated with your EMR? Totally an option. Makes right. it things a lot easier for a lot of people, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, do you need, if you are doing that, so if you are integrating your platform and your EMR, you need to look at where data is stored, mm -hmm. right? You need to make sure that our privacy protection laws and that your EMR system is storing the data where it needs to be stored and what servers and what country and what province, right? Mm -hmm. so you need to look at that piece of it. Um, you need to look at what do you need the platform itself to do? What are you trying to create in a vibe? So do you need the ability to screen share? My answer to that would be yes. <laughs> do you need the ability to upload or live stream video at the same time that you're doing it? Do you need 
objective outcome measures? Do you need a goniometer? Do you need to be able to do these things that are integrated into the platform? I don't need that piece of it. An orthopedic manual therapist might say, heck yeah, I need that. Um, do you need a whiteboard integrated? So you need to see what you need for your, what you think you need for your own therapeutic approach and the way you do it. You need to look at data storage. You need to look at ease of use not so much ease of use from a clinician perspective. I mean, that's nice, but, <laughs> but you need to make sure it is as simple as humanly possible for your client to use. Like your grandparents could do it and a millennial could do it because the second you start to make things even a little bit complicated, you add one barrier into someone being able to log into an appointment. It's that much harder to get them to come back. And so ease of use for the client is the biggest thing. I agree. Definitely. As long as there's like a one-step process, because I've, I've noticed that if you have to download something or sign up for something, it's a lot more of a barrier to entry than just something you could just simply yeah. click a link and you're good to go. I know in the beginning, one of the platforms I used, and I'm sure they've evolved since I used them because I used them in 2017. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but the biggest barrier was the difficulty for the client. And that's why I, I lost telehealth clients that way with this platform. Um, I would get beat my head. I would get so frustrated um, because what would happen is the, you know, it was that you had to email them a code and the code had to go before the appointment and then they had to click a link and then they had to enter a code and then it wouldn't connect you. And it was so complicated and such a headache that people just didn't want to try it anymore. Um, and so again, with that hybrid model, that ease of use piece is like, no, no, no. Absolutely. I agree. What do you think? Um, uh, what do you think like a clinic should look for as a, like an owner for their mm -hmm. staff? Is there anything that you looked for from a clinic perspective for a specific platform to use? For a platform? Yeah. Um, so for me, it's as a clinic owner, I like being able to see the stats. I like being able to look at, um, you know, a lot of them have like a back office end of being able to see how many telehealth appointments someone's had. I mean, you can look in your EMR as well, but you know, how long length of appointments, things like that. Um, I very much like to have a clinic set up. Um, so it's like Symphony Rehab has the platform and then my, all my team are the users below um, and I can create them a license or whatever that is because then I can just, I can help them if there's issues. I can help them if there's technical issues on their end um, because I can reset passwords. I can see if things are glitched. I can kind of update things. Um, it gives me that stat piece of things as well. And again, anything that you can do as a clinic owner that fosters culture um, and that fosters community and that fosters support. So if you had, if you turned around and said to your team, you know what, you need to go sign up for your own account on this. And then we'll just like that, that doesn't offer support. It doesn't create unity. Um, and I think that's really important in anything you do in a clinic, but especially in the telehealth realm, because it's new for so many clinicians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. The one thing that I think we also looked for is this integration with the EMR too, to be able mm -hmm. to um, merge the two worlds. Cause I initially, when I first started, I was popping back between two different platforms. <laughs> it was getting a little bit complicated. I had one screen with the EMR, one screen with the tele rehab, but this way it, 
it was a lot easier to kind of merge them. But um, but that's awesome. And now I do want to dive a little bit into the clinical schedule you had for the hybrid. You did allude mm-hmm. to it a little bit about kind of the split days. Can you give us a little bit of a, a detailed overview of that? Yeah. So how you there's there's a this is in my course too. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Giving you my I'm giving yeah. you my course. <laughs> there is um, I'm not the whole course, but some of it. There, depending on your clinic, honestly, um, there's mm. multiple different ways you can set up a hybrid model. So I ultimately do two. So there's, um, with the way my clinic is set up right now, we started, when we started back, we started very conservative. So we couldn't have, um, we have six treatment rooms. You can't have, and we usually do one-on-one appointments back to back. So there's mm-hmm. usually six clinicians in the clinic at the same time. Can't do that right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we started at 50% clinicians in the clinic. And so what we have is we have in-clinic days um, and then we have telehealth days. Mm-hmm. So clients or clinicians have two or three, two, two to three in-clinic days and then two to one to two to three telehealth days. That's one way to do it. Um, it doesn't make your clinic time as efficient Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're leaving, so like we did in the beginning, we left 15 minute breaks between each client to allow for cleaning and traffic flow and to let us kind of get the groove of things. Mm-hmm. We're going to decrease that time to be honest, but, um, you have this dead space, no matter what you do in the clinic. If you're only seeing clients in the clinic, you have dead time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, so there is that way. So there is clinic and telehealth. Um, and we definitely have are practicing that just because of clinician timing and space. Um, but the other thing that I always call is your blended model. And so we're practicing the blended model as well. And so the blended model is literally, especially right now, it, de- it takes away your dead time. Mm-hmm. So that would be alternating as much as you can, your in-clinic telehealth, in-clinic telehealth. Um, because then you can do your in-clinic client, take care of cleaning and dive right into a telehealth, dive right into an in-clinic, dive right into a telehealth. And it's just like you would normally see in the clinic, back-to-back appointments but one's via a screen. Um, and so the, the blended model allows you to see the same capacity that you would have seen before previously just doing in person. <clears throat> the, the other model with having telehealth days and clinic days um, where this is kind of, it allows us to see, uh, <clears throat> it allows us to have the same number of days the clinician's working without cutting that back. If you think forward to a time when social distancing isn't a factor um, and we don't have to have those those chunks of time between like we do now um, and so it's not so much a matter of capacity of alternating telehealth and in person if you think of a clinic so my very first clinic i only had two treatment rooms in it it was really tiny so but i could instead have a therapist have a whole extra day of work Mm-hmm. to do telehealth days because she's practicing a blended model. So now she gets a clinic day or two clinic days a week and a telehealth day. And I can create a whole other revenue stream and increased hours availability for a clinician and then for my clinic as well. So that's mm-hmm. why we always say like, this is telehealth is a long-term game plan. It's not a short-term bandaid, long-term plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. Definitely, yeah. definitely a lot of interesting kind of things to think about here based on at least your experience with mm-hmm. with this tele rehab on during the times where you well you needed it but not like the world didn't need it now yeah. it's a different story um now I'm, I'm actually super curious about your your course as well like what do you what do you guys talk about in the course 
Yeah. So there's two, well, there's three. I'm re and I'm refilming the one of them. So, um, so the first one, the one, the big one, it's a four hour course. Um, it's called launching your telehealth practice uh, today mm -hmm. or something like that. I can't change the name. So it's like, but it's, it's <laughs> for enough. clinic owners. It's like yeah. launching your telehealth practice for clinic owners. I walk you through everything. It is like, so as we talk a, a brief history, a bit about the history of telehealth a little bit. Um, and then I walk you through the, what you need to know about consent, what you need to know about licensing, what you need to know about regulations. It's more geared towards Canadians for sure. Um, I walk you through the step-by-step, -step, how do you set this up so it's easy? What do you have to do to your website? What do you have to do to your booking site? What are your platform considerations? Here are a gazillion platforms to choose from. Mm -hmm. What do you have to do to have an effective appointment? What are some clinical tips to have an effective appointment? How do you bill? How do you chart? It's a, it is literally, you can take the course, you get a check, you get all my handouts, you get PDFs, you get checklists, you get scripts, you get mm -hmm. all this stuff. You can take this course and literally, if you actually sat down, you could have your whole practice launched into in a day. Awesome. It's like the tick off thing. Um, and then you get mm -hmm. added to a Facebook group um, that just has the, anyone who's taken the course, you can continue to bounce ideas. I'll jump in there and do free, free Zoom calls sometimes just to like give pointers, answer questions. Um, and that piece of that. So that's the, that's the biggie. Um, what had happened from that course actually, because there's a, there's a chunk of that course that is, you know, how do you do an effective treatment via telehealth? Um, mm -hmm. Because you can't, if you're a manual therapist, you can't take what you did manually and then do that manually through the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so what had enough. happened from that course actually is the clinic owners that took that said, you know, Natasha, I would love my team to do this, but they just need the like clinical gems piece. <laughs> mm -hmm. They don't need, all this other stuff about billing and websites and all that stuff. Right. So then I literally create, I literally took that chunk out and created just a clinician's course. So if someone's just looking for some tips and some tricks and how can they do it an awesome telehealth session, there's that course for clinicians. And then I also just created obviously going forward a hybrid course. So it's just yeah. a, it's a two hour, it's called a creating your hybrid practice and making your virtual footprint. And then mm -hmm. there's a bonus masterclass with that one. So what that one was created for was, okay, you've created your telehealth practice. You can start to breathe again. You now have this platform. I don't want you to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want you to use it. I want you to see the potential this can have for your business. And so we talk about the different hybrid models. We talk about how you do those things. We talk about the three types of clients that are going to come into your clinic and how do you manage them in a hybrid model and what does that look like? Um, and then mm -hmm. we start to talk about going into a virtual footprint. What is a virtual footprint? What does that actually mean? Why is that important to you as a therapist in this day and age when it may never have been five years ago? Mm -hmm. um, and then we do a masterclass. So there's a free bonus masterclass with LMA and she's a, a social media strategist and visibility coach. So mm -hmm. she gives them some, it's an hour live master, well, it's recorded now, but it's an hour <laughs> masterclass. Yeah. Um, with LMA about utilizing social media for strategy and, and getting using social media to get clients in the clinic as well. So those are the three. Um, and then I'm actually filming and, and I'm actually going to be updating the one, uh, the biggie. So the two, the clinic owners and the clinicians one. Um, and then, but as the, as you purchase the course, I, it's through a portal. So you get all the updates constantly. So mm -hmm. anyone who's purchased the course already will get the new live version that I'm filming uh, in a couple weeks. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds really yeah. good. Yeah. It's Definitely. been, the feedback from it has been phenomenal. Um, mm. You know, the, the clinicians that have done it and the clinic owners have done it have said, you know, it's, it saved them hours of time because you don't have to go through all that rigmarole that I went through. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it got them up and going. They went from having zero appointments to having almost full caseloads. Mm -hmm. um, it's done, and it's been really awesome to see not only their journey in it, but to see their mindset shift, right? Like I did a mm -hmm. live with, with one of our members and she'd said, you know, before this, I was full on in this group that believed that like maybe 20% of my clients could benefit from telehealth. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. she was like, but with doing the course and starting to put it, she's like, I can now see that it's like 80% of my clients. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been really great to see the businesses come put the stuff in action and, and prosper in this time. Like that fear of losing your clinic wasn't there anymore. Um, but then seeing them embrace it and, and see how it can work and serve them and their clients has been really, it's been really fun. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Definitely sounds like a super useful tool to make sure to um, throw up the link on our page here to for anybody who wants to sign up for this. Um, and we'll definitely chat offline a little bit more about this. I'm definitely super curious about uh, <laughs> some of the more minutiae about the course. Um, now, as we slowly kind of wrap up the podcast here, uh, Natasha, I did want to dive a little bit into one of our favorite questions at the end of the podcast, to see if there's any uh, books that you recommend. I know you've told me before you have uh, uh, lots of great recommendations. Is there any one particular that um, you're thinking that would help with any individuals in this time yeah. and day or uh, even for a business? Yeah. So I was funny because you're like, oh, but I, I, I read books all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like most of my books are around business and personal development. And I had to try and I had to step back and be like, what was something that I read that I felt like kind of either kicked me a step forward or made me rethink about something or helped me reframe. And there was, there was two really. Um, so one that just from a marketing perspective, um, because our websites are so powerful and social media is so powerful. Um, mm -hmm. So this kind of pulled into that virtual footprint piece of things. Um, Donald Miller's story brand is one of my favorite books. Like it is a fast read. You can read it in a day, but he helps he, you think about some of the, some of our websites are so pretty and they don't tell us anything. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so he helps explain to you and teach you how to get your message out. And mm -hmm. that's as a clinic owner so crucial because if you're not getting your message out and you're not reaching your audience, you're not going to book clients. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one sure. that I loved. Um, and then can I share another one? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then my other, I actually got it. Um, have you ever read this one? Lynch, the no, I, I know Seth Godin though. Okay, so it's great. Um, so it's The Lynchpin by Seth Godin, and it's Are You Indispensable? So it's literally about you can be a linchpin in any role in a company, as a clinic mm -hmm. owner, as a, as a therapist, as a clinician. Um, but it's about creating linchpins, it's about creating people who are leaders and not just followers. It's about inspiring people to think, to be part of the bigger picture, and to be part of your vision and to grow. Um, mm -hmm. It's a bit of a, it kind of, it's a good book. I really mm -hmm. liked it. It That's was, awesome. um, so yeah, I would say linchpin and then story brand are probably from a business, from a, from an anyone perspective mm -hmm. is great from like a business perspective and trying to make sure your mission is understood and heard and is clear. Mm -hmm. Um, story brand is probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Actually story brand was recommended also by one of our other guests as well. Um, oh, Zach yeah. Gabor from, from the U S from the level up initiative. And, and after he recommended it, we, we dove into it and um, read it. Definitely, definitely does open your eye into yeah. some of the things. And, and, you know, it's funny you said that about a pretty website that doesn't do anything. It's kind of like, um, I, I like to use the analogy for the websites of, uh, I don't know if you know what a sleeper car is. It's no. basically a car that 
doesn't look like anything special on the outside, but the engine is more powerful than a Ferrari. So um, it's got, it's functional, right? It, it's, it's able to, you know, win the race. Whereas you might have a Ferrari body kit on like, you know, uh, a smart car, right? Yeah. <laughs> not, not to go against <laughs> smart cars. You know, I think they're definitely great, especially in Toronto. Um, but um, I think that's just kind of the, the idea of it. It mm-hmm. looks great, but it's not going to win that race. Yeah. Uh, so definitely agree with that. But Lynchman is one I'll have to, I'll have to add to the list of yeah, it's, long it's lists. <laughs> I know my, my book list is like, yeah, so then I'll, do, I'll read like half of one book and then I'll switch to the next one. And then I'll come back. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Right now, <laughs> I've actually had that conversation with some of uh, some of my friends, classmates, about just that idea of are you indes- indispensable? You know, how do you make yourself valuable within an organization? So Absolutely. that sounds like a sounds right on theme right here. So I'll definitely make sure to check that out. Thanks for the recommendation. Um, now, Natasha, how can somebody get in touch with you if they need any any advice or if they want to um, possibly even work with you or uh, take a course? Um, is it best to do social media through email or what's the best? Yeah, method? so I would say the two easiest ways. So um, the uh, www.natashawilch.com is my website where you'll find the courses, but then there's a contact me through that mm-hmm. website as well. So it goes directly to my email. So that's one way for sure. Um, and then the other way would be Instagram or social. So it's my handle is just at Natasha.Wilch um, for, for Instagram, which is going to be the easiest way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, uh, Natasha, for sharing all your pro uh, secrets and, um, and all the tidbits here about the Tala Rehab. It's been, it's been great uh, learning from you, especially during this time. I think I'm definitely going to be taking a few of these um, uh, pointers you had during the podcast and implementing it at our, at our clinic here. And um, yeah, thanks again. And if there's anybody that has any questions again, feel free to reach out to Natasha. She's been great um, helping us out. And so hopefully uh, she can also help you guys out. Uh, but thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.